Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just $0.25, and two-pocket poly folders are just $0.35 each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9-1-18, limit 30. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Hey guys, we're back. It's Wednesday night. Finsider Podcast is back on the air. Lots of stuff to talk about this week. We have the Hall of Fame game to review. We have the upcoming Jaguars game to preview. There's, of course, stories and all kinds of stuff coming out from training camp. We have injury updates. We have all kinds of stuff this week. So hopefully uh, you enjoy the show. I've got Duke with me. Duke, how are you? No, all right. Good. Glad to hear that. And, of course, James is working the boards. James, how are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? I am doing well, thanks. I know uh, if Keith were here, he'd be laughing at the fact that I always ask you guys how you're doing to open the show every single week. <laughs> but, um, let's get straight into 
you know what? Let, let's do this first. Let's go ahead and knock out the storyline that everybody wants to talk about and will be the storyline that everybody wants to talk about every single day between now and probably the end of the season. But I know, uh, Duke, you took an in-depth look at Jonathan Martin uh, today in camp. Not a whole lot came out. A couple things that he got beat by, um, I think it was Tristan, however you say his name, Oka something or other. I have no idea how to pronounce that guy's name. Um, but there's a, there's there's a lot of talk about how bad Jonathan Martin is, and I really think that, and I know your post said this, but I really think that it's a lot of overreaction to a very small sample size. So you want to talk, Jonathan Martin, give us a little synopsis of your story and uh, what you saw from him looking back at the game. All right, well, uh, let me get uh, my post pulled up here so I have my reference material. But, um, I you know, I think that I, I think that – Personally, I think that actually, uh, you know, first of all, let me say that I believe that uh, the universe may be coming to an end because CT and I have agreed like three times this past month. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, just watch out. But anyway, he said something that that I, that I kind of agree with, and that that because that has been an emerging storyline from camp, that anytime the offense struggles, he's going to be a scapegoat. Well, you know. You know, Martin, who sucks over there at the left tackle, they should have done something, which I don't necessarily agree with wholeheartedly. I believe Ryan Tannehill is going to be the fallback answer every time, and I believe Martin's kind of going to be the second guy. But I believe because the offense just looked so bad um, Sunday night that um, that Martin just kind of, you know, it just kind of snowballed and like, well, you know, this is all the problems with the Miami offense. Yeah, they didn't have Wallace. Yeah, they didn't have Hartline. But, you know, they should have done something about that left tackle. But when you actually go back and watch what happened, you know, he did not play great. I, I'm not going to say that he played outstanding. But he did not play as bad as people think. The one play where he gave up a pressure was a screen pass. And I have watched that play at least 30 times. Full speed, slow-mo, freeze frame, whatever I can do to watch that thing. And the only, thing, the only conclusion that I can come to is that he should have sealed off his man a little bit better to keep to keep him uh, out of the play. I don't think his man generated the pressure that caused Ryan Tannehill to uh, do what he did. Um, if you if, if Jonathan Martin, even if he blocks his man, throws him on the ground, uh, the interior linemen that get released on the screen force Tannehill to, to run the way he does. Now, I think the biggest problem on that play was that whoever linebacker number 59 was, um, J- uh, Josh Samuda was headed right toward him to block him. When he, he missed the block and 59 was able to get off of it pretty easy, when he missed that block, Tannehill had nowhere to throw the ball. If Samuda, throws that bo- if Samuda makes that block, uh, Tannehill can easily dump the ball off to, to uh, Miller. Miller probably gets a big game because Townsend Incognito were way downfield and there was nobody inside. I mean, this is probably at least 10 yards, maybe more. Um, and nobody cares about what Jonathan Martin did. But because Tannehill had to throw the ball down to the ground to prevent the, the sack or what could have been an interception if he had attempted to make the pass because the linebacker was right there all over Miller, um, they're going to say, well, you know, Jonathan Martin gave up the pressure. And that's not completely accurate. Um, but if you look at the other plays – 
I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. I mean, if he plays like that every game, we're going to be in good shape. I mean, he's not going to be perfect. He's not going to be Pro Bowl Jake Long type uh, type uh, offensive tackle. And they may still want to upgrade him in the offseason. But I don't believe he's going to be the seed that everyone thinks he's going to be where he's just giving up, you know, sack after sack, pressure after pressure. It didn't look that way. Now, granted, it was against special teamers. It was against special teamers, and or not special teamers, second teamers, and not necessarily the starters. But at the same time, he did what he was supposed to do against those guys. I mean, he shut them down. I mean, the very first play, uh, the fumble play, he opened the big hole for Miller to run through. The very first passing play, he um, Jonathan Martin just lets his man move upfield. He seals him off. Um, if Tyson Claybo holds his block, Tannehill has an easy throw to Keller across the middle. But Tyson Claybo got bull rushed back into Tannehill, and Tannehill was forced to to run. So, um, you know, overall, I think Martin he can still improve in some areas, but I don't think he was this um, bad. You know, everything was as bad as as um, what it was made out to be. I, what I do find interesting is that uh, Strange and I, we actually wrote our posts probably around the same time. Um, I had set mine to schedule for the next day, but he, we finished them up about the same time we were talking about it. But I find it interesting that uh, Mark Kelly and James Walker posted something very similar that same day. Yep. So I'm saying they're copying us. Yeah. I, 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 I was thinking the same thing. I wasn't I wasn't saying that they copied us, but I did find it interesting that yeah, it was like you, Strange, uh, and then those two on the national or local levels all posted almost the same thing, a snap by snap look at Jonathan Martin. And real quick before we go on, since I forgot to do this at the start of the show, uh obviously this is the Finsider Podcast. It's Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night we come on uh nine PM Eastern time. Talk all things Miami Dolphins football. There's all kinds of ways for you to get in touch with us. You can get on the live thread at thefinsider.com, T-H-E-P-H-I-N-S-I-D-E-R.com. You can tweet to us at the Finsider, and then you can always call us, 347-326-9461. That's 347-326-9461. We'll happily take your calls, talk anything Dolphins you want, and just have an interactive Guys, Hello. Keeping us live that way, James. You're still live on with us. The board did something strange to you there, James. <laughs> <laughs> the board hates James all of a sudden. Duke Duke got kicked into the screening room. James stayed live on the air. That was kind of weird. So Duke, you back with me? Yes. Okay. Um, that was a little odd for a minute there, but hey, why not? Um, Now I forgot what I was going to say. Jonathan Martin. Oh, the thing that, and I talked to uh, the guys over at Big Cat Country, who, by the way, will be coming on the show live here in a little while. Uh, I talked to the guys over at Big Cat Country today, and I really think a lot of why people think Jonathan Martin is having such a bad preseason already is because all you see are tweets when he gives up a sack. Nobody's going to tweet out Jonathan Martin blocked, but they're going to tweet out Olivier Vernon had a sack on Jonathan Martin. So you're going to see that a lot. And then the other thing is, and this is what the Big Cat Country guys said, I really 
think, or they they pointed it out, but I think it's true. I think people thought that that was Jonathan Martin when it was Dallas Thomas. I think a lot of people didn't realize that that was Dallas Thomas and not Jonathan Martin, at least for the first few snaps. And so suddenly the left tackle position is getting people killed, and everybody's assuming it's Jonathan Martin, and it wasn't. It was – I just realized my unread numbers are way off. Sorry. Um, Just – okay. Interesting note, James. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Apparently we're going a little bit – a little bit – helter-skelter here in the beginning. But I really think Jonathan Martin is getting a bad rap because it's a small sample size, and people don't know what he's doing well because we're not hearing about it, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and uh, I am – I'm, uh, yeah, I agree with you about the Dallas Thomas thing. I, because, I mean, because of the type of game this is, um, we also – I think we were kind of expecting – Martin to get more snaps because you know he's had such a rough camp, and then when Moore comes in and on the very first play, um, Brandon Bass just steamrolls Dallas Thomas and, and about kills Moore. He hits him so hard, I believe that uh, that Bass got hurt. Uh, so uh, right. it's kind of crazy, but I think people were just like, "Oh, this is terrible." Martin sucks, and, and they didn't realize that was Thomas up there. So I can see that happening. Probably in the second half, they weren't. They didn't think about it as much because they figured he would have been out. By, but maybe those first few snaps. And even then, I don't think Dallas Thomas played as bad as, uh, you know, he gave up a few bad plays. But you got to remember, he's a rookie. He's only had a few weeks of actual contact, I believe, because of his shoulder injury. And he played guard at Tennessee. Um, and um, so I think that. What happened there is he just was just completely outmatched. He just was not prepared yeah. for, hey, this is an NFL game, regardless of, of preseason or whatever, and he just kind of got overmatched. I think if he, you know, if they let him stay there and work on it, I think he'll be fine. Um, and he'll I, think, I think the other part is the Dolphins are purely experimenting with him right now. He played right tackle today. He's played left guard already. He's played left tackle. And he – Dallas Thomas is an experiment to see where he fits best on the offensive line. He happened to be playing left tackle during a nationally televised game, so he got abused, and that's what we all saw. But I think that overall you're going to see him move around until they find a spot where he is comfortable. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think he, I think uh, LaTrolls Bentley had a blog. I can't remember the name of it. He wrote something about it kind of how he thought Thomas, you know, did a little bit better than what the mainstream people were kind of saying. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think our offensive line as a whole is going to be fine. Um, I think Martin is going to be fine. I think what benefits us there is that we do have a quarterback who can throw well on the move and um, who can make plays with his legs. So that if Martin gives up a pressure, Tannehill, you know, he can get rid of the ball. He can he can throw it away, or he can make a play downfield, or he can throw the ball on the run uh, pretty well. Uh, whereas, you know, with quarterbacks we've had in the past, like say Chad Heaney, who was not quite as mobile, uh, you know, giving up a lot of pressure like that was probably resulted in more sacks. So uh, that's you know, I think that's 
you know, I, I, I think it's, it's going to be an, it's going to be can be an issue. I don't think it's going to be as big as it's uh, being made out. I mean, that, that doesn't mean Jonathan Martin's going to become some all-pro tackle, but I don't think he's going to be a major liability either. Um, and if you look at our if you look at our schedule, we only have a handful of pass rushers this year that are going to be dangerous. Um, I mean, we play um, we play Cleveland first, and there's nobody on that team that just really scares you. Um, uh, nobody really on on Indianapolis that just scares you. That's going to be because I think Mathis plays on the on the uh, left side of the defensive line. So, you know, I, you know, it's something to keep it's something to watch and keep up with for the remainder of the preseason and even into the season. But I don't think it's going to be that big an issue. Yeah, I, I think that I think the preseason will work out most of the issues, and we, we, we'll see it be it much better. Uh, go ahead and get Dolphins fan for life up on the line. How are you doing tonight, Dolphins Hello. fan? Doing all right. Good. What's on your mind? Uh, a few questions. Um, I'll start with the easiest first. Uh, what do y'all think about the re-signing of Rashad Jones? Too soon. Very good. Um, or was it just something that needed to happen? Um, to follow up that question, who do you think is next? We've got a total list of, like, 20 free agents, I think, that, well, not that many, but I'm exaggerating a bit, but who do you think is next? Um, as far I as, like, think, who I would interest to get it, deal with. I think, uh, I think your number one thing with Rashad Jones is that it was absolutely the right time to do it. Uh, it. It paid him like one of the top safeties in the league, but I think it also locked him down. It shows that, one, the team really is going to live up to their end of the bargain. They told him before OTA started, don't sit out, come in, come do your work, we will take care of you. And they did exactly that, which now blends over to talking to other guys and saying, hey, look, when we say we will take care of you, we really will. And that's part of what that was. I think the other thing is it does get him in at a better price than if he does go out and get a a Pro Bowl appearance this year, um, up there in sacks or up there in interceptions again, all those kinds of things. So I think it was the right time. It was probably a little bit higher than I expected, but it wasn't anything astronomical that isn't warranted. So it, it was it was the right time to do it, I think, and I. I'm glad that they did it now so that it's not something that, as the season goes along, we're talking about, and it's not something that we're worrying about when uh, when free agency comes around next year. As for who's next, or Duke, do you have any more thoughts on Rashad Jones there? Well, I think you pretty much nailed it. I mean, it's good that they, they said that they were going to, going to get something done, and they did. Um Kind of shows that they're, they're, they honor their agreement. Um, it was it, it locks up a young player at a a, a very good player at a, at a position of need, um, and now it lets us focus 
the main thing that that does, in my opinion, is it takes away the need for the franchise tag, which will go on someone else yep. now if necessary. So um, if they hadn't got anything done, he was a prime candidate for the franchise tag because of the amount and and, and everything. So um, they got him locked up. He's, he's a young player. He's a he's a leader on the defense. Um, and uh, and I think that the, probably the next person they'll focus on. Have we got to that yet? No, go ahead. You can go on. I was say the, I think the next person they're going to focus on right now, uh, if they're going with uh, in-house guys, I'm going to go Paul Soliai. I think they would want to lock him up. I think he wants to stay here. Uh, if you're going with some of the new guys that we've added, like the one-year guys or whatever else, I think uh, Brent Grimes is probably target number one, assuming he plays at the level that we're expecting of him. Um, so I think he would be a, a, a prime target um, to be next. But yeah, I, I, I like the resigning Bashad Jones. It was something that needed to be done. Uh, so go ahead and get it done. It's out of the way. And the good thing is, is that he had a he had his breakout year, and it wasn't a contract year. So it wasn't like he was going into that he had to get refound this year. He still had another year to prove himself, but they they showed enough faith in him and they believed in what he's done. And remember, they've watched him in practice, so they know what he's doing in practice. Um, you know, I think another like, thing uh, that it does, I think it shows the rookies that you sign that four-year contract, you, by NFL rules, cannot um, – you can't renegotiate for three years. So – he entered that three-year mark just now. So I think that that is a big step in the right direction that they went ahead and showed those rookies because who's the number one rookie that that's going to become an issue for? It's going to be Ryan Tannehill in two years or another year after this one. So you're, that that shows a good thing. I think Brent Grimes is probably a candidate if he continues to play like he is right now. I think he's also probably a candidate for the franchise tag if they can't get something done with him. Paul Soliai makes a lot of sense. And the other guy that could make sense, depending on how they think of guys like Josh Cadu, um, uh, Jason Tresnick, guys like that, or who they think, uh, or Jelani Jones, uh, John Jenkins, or guys who are going to come up in the draft. Koa is a guy that they could consider trying to re-sign and keep him on a two-year contract or something. So he's somebody that is kind of out there that he's a solid player. He's not a star. He's not going to be a star. So he's somebody that keep an eye on. They could try to get a deal done with him also. So In my opinion, I think there were there are four guys that are going to be free agents. Um, there are going to be four guys that are going to be free agents this upcoming year. That needs to be re-signed. One of them just got re-signed, Rashad Jones. I think Chris Clemens is a guy that needs to be re-signed, and a lot of fans are like, well, you know, he's not a playmaker. Why do we need to re-sign him? But, you know, if you believe what Omar reads, he says that this this defense, the secondary, is meant for Rashad Jones to make plays, and Clemens is just the, the safety valve at the back to prevent any big plays. And I think he does a good job. I think he stepped up and played well last year. Um, I think he's a guy that could be re-signed. He's becoming more of a vocal leader on defense. He's getting comfortable. Um, the other two were Paul Solid, I and Brent Grimes. I think those are the four that that are must re-sign, simply because of the positions they play and the 
that they play and the talent that they bring to those positions. Um, you know, I, I don't know about Starks, given how, you know, Audric is playing, you know, doing some starting at defensive tackle now. Keller, maybe, I think he's kind of on on that cusp of, uh, of possibility. If he has a good season, then he's a must resign. But everyone else, I mean, you know, you know, there's, you think there's a lot of a lot of upcoming free agents, but a lot of these guys, some of them may not even make it through camp this year. I mean, we're talking about guys like Austin Spittler or Nolan Carroll or guys like that who may or may not even be on the team uh, week one. So, you know, there's a lot of guys out there, but I think those four, maybe five, adding Keller, are must be something. Everybody else is kind of easy. So if we get those these deals done on those guys, I think we're in good shape. Hey, Dolphin fans for Dolphins fan for life. What else is on your mind? i got to go quickly. My board is starting to back up, and I'm going to have uh, the guys from Big Cat Country come on here in just a little um, bit to talk some Jaguars. So what else is on your mind? Well, real quickly, I was wondering if instead of trying to re-sign Starks and Soli, if it could be a possibility that we should go after a big-name guy like Geno Atkins or somebody next year. He's a free agent as well. Um, if you know Atkins hits free agency, I don't. I mean, if Cincinnati's smart, they're not going to let him go. Um, I, I don't see him hitting the free agent market. I think I think he's going to get a big deal. If he does get hit the free agent market, um, I would absolutely go for him. Um, but I, you know, he's going to be a free agent. I think something gets done with him mid-season, um, similar kind of what happened with Jones. I don't. I just don't see him. I just don't see him being available. Because of, of you know he's probably one of the best, if not the best, defensive tackle, four three defensive tackle in the league right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean I I just don't see I just can't see Cincinnati letting him go, uh, considering they're building a a team that could be you know is a playoff team. They're trying to win that division. They're trying to uh, to progress to be a a title contender. Uh, they're not going to give away one of their key pieces or let a key piece walk. Um, and I don't know what their style yeah. of that situation is, so I can't I can't say that you know, I can't say that hundred percent surety, but I'm you know, I don't see a scenario aside from them just giving a bunch of money to someone else, uh, to let a young, uh, dominant defensive tackle like that leave. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think they don't let him go. Um if they do, I would I would obviously consider going after him. But at the same time, you have to think of the fact that we have two Pro Bowl defensive tackles right now. We have guys that are going to be asking for top-tier money, too. So if, uh, is the step down from Geno to Paul Soliai and Randy Starks that much that you're going to let them walk and then pay even more money to Geno? The answer is probably yes, but it's something you definitely have to look at. Dumb fan for life, thank you for calling in. I'm sorry to rush you tonight. Um, right. Hit up the live thread if you have any more questions, but I do want to get to some of these other callers before Big Cat Country calls in. All so, right. Thanks. Now, the show is probably going to go crazy here for a little bit because I'm going to hit the button on this next caller. So uh, that will be loads and loads of fun. But, Ohio, how you doing tonight, man? Good. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm getting pumped up for the season. That is for sure. <laughs> you know, how was Canton besides hanging out with uh, Stephen Ross? How was Canton? 
Oh, you're just going to have to wait for the fan post. I it know, was, it was but... Uh, let me let me say it, it it was everything and more than I ever expected. It, it was so cool. It was just, um, you know, I didn't go to Canton for the game. I don't like preseason, never did. And, and truth be told, uh, you know, I, I was there. I was there for the atmosphere. I was there for the camaraderie with the fans. And man, it was it was just awesome. It was awesome. You know, in every sense of the word. And uh, it was kind of like where it was a preseason game. It was also my preseason tailgate, you know, so to kind of get everything working in in order because uh, Cleveland's going to be a big party. Oh, I'm glad you had a good time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was neat to see. You know, uh, a couple a couple highlights from my weekend were seeing uh, some friends of mine who had never been to the Hall of Fame before and kind of watching them take it in for the first time. Um, you know, and there's just so many Dolphin fans there. And, uh, and again, I, I don't want I don't want to talk too much, give out away too many specifics to the weekend. <laughs> cause I'll, I'll feel uh, feel the thunder away from my post, but it was just. Um, it was, amazing. it was amazing. It was amazing on so many levels. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. So, uh, you're going to so, have to wait for the post. But let me let me say this before. <laughs> I know you're going to run, but uh, let me just say to the fans who are going to the Cleveland game, uh, we're tailgating at the Burke Lakefront Airport parking lot. And something special is going to go down in front of the Hall of Fame at 11 o'clock. So, you know, if you're going to Cleveland, try try to run me down, man. Try to get involved. Somehow I think we're going streaking in, is involved here, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> but why, why, why? Why is Alpha coming? No, no. <laughs> that's a possibility. But Ohio, thanks very much for calling in. Um, I know I'm cutting you short tonight, but I do have to keep going. So thanks very much. All right, man. Have a great show. Thanks. Thanks. I'm excited. Our next uh, guest. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting him to call in, but uh, I am happy to say. Max Strauss from over at Pro Interviews Zen, who was at Dolphin Training Camp today. So, Max, how you doing? I'm doing great. I just wanted to, you know, give a little surprise. I saw you message and, and sent out a tweet about the podcast, so I figured I, I'd jump in and, and give a call. Well, thanks very much. So, what did you see at camp today? You know, you'll have to read the article tomorrow, but basically, <laughs> um, I, I was I was very impressed um, with with how Tannehill composed himself after, you know, the rough start yesterday. Um, every time – and then – so that's number one. Number two, I, um, I'm always very impressed with how Brian Huntline runs routes and how quick his feet are. Uh, and being, you know, so close and seeing it up, uh, up close, like that angle that you get, um, it, it's really impressive and something that you really don't notice. Um, you see other receivers that um, – 
not to mention names, but you see other receivers that don't run fully through their routes, and he runs, he overruns his routes to make sure that they're done correctly and through, and 105% completed when it should be, you know, 100. Um, and so Hartline always impresses me. Um, so what you're saying is Brian Hartline is a good receiver. I mean, I'm saying, you know, I've been to different training camps before. I've been to uh, Jets training camp. I've been to Saints training camp. And, and seeing Hartline work and his footwork and seeing how quick his feet are, it, it's something that doesn't get enough recognition for throughout the league. Yeah, uh, Hartline and his, his abilities is a point of contention amongst Dolphins fans. So it's good to hear that, uh, good to hear another opinion on that. Especially, um, you know, because he, he just signed that big contract, you think he'd be less motivated to complete routes now that he's locked in. But it seems he still plays with a chip on his shoulder, like he was the fourth round pick. So it's great to see. Um, Lamar Miller didn't get much playing time, and, and Jonas Gray stepped in today a lot. Um, you know, and that was really interesting to see Jonas Gray and Mike Killisley get a lot of carries and reps uh, on this offense. Um, and Mike Wallace finally got a chance to play, and and uh, yep. He beat, you know, Nolan Carroll on a deep route that had everyone um, very happy to see and, and, and the fans that were there cheering. Uh, it was a good 40-yard 40, 40 pass or so. and um, So that, that's what I came away with, pretty impressed. Um, on the offensive side, uh, defensive side, I was pretty impressed. Uh, you know, Chris, Chris Clemens had two interceptions, I think, on the day. Um, so that's always nice to see the defense continuing to force turnovers. Um and and the offensive line, D-line drills were pretty interesting to see. Um, but, you know, it was also, to, to go back to defense and, and Mike Wallace beating, you know, in offense, Mike Wallace beating Nolan Carroll. Nolan Carroll stepped up after that play, though. Um, you know, and, and, you know, he made a mistake, but he I didn't see, you know, many, many passes completed on to his side and, and see his name get beat, you know, or, or just watch him get beat. But, um it was, it was it was a good experience down in Davie, though. What have you, uh, you know, a lot of people are tweeting out about Will Davis, and he's been making lots of interceptions and lots of plays in camp. Have you have you seen him? And what are your thoughts from from what you've seen of him? You know, um, as much as I wanted to pay attention to Will Davis, I was I was kind of focused. Um, I don't want to just make a statement to make a statement. So, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to see much of Will Davis. Uh, so I'm not going to answer that really. I know uh, you got a chance to talk to a whole bunch of players today. Uh, Mike Wallace, Dustin Keller, Lamar Miller, um, a couple others in there. Guy I was interested in, uh, I'll two-part this. One was a guy that you got to talk to, and we don't hear from a lot. He sort of just goes out there and does things, and I know I talked about the Dolphins probably would end up cutting him this year, and he stepped up, was Dimitri Patterson. So I wanted to know anything he said that was just a teaser for tomorrow, and then anything else anybody else said that teased us for tomorrow when you do post your summary of what happened today. Uh, You know, Dimitri was interesting. I didn't know much about him, Um, and and he was just very humble and appreciative of uh, the fact that he is getting you know, at least, you know, some recognition. Um, he's bounced around the league a lot, um, and that kind of has helped him grow as a player, I think, and, and learn a lot. Uh, and, and as for the interview, we just talked about how he can improve and, and make this team and what he has to do. Uh, 
And I think that was a really interesting, you know, as he, you know, being a guy who, you know, came in the league in 2005, most people don't know his name, and, and he's made teams, and, you know, he's definitely made an impact with the coach he's been with. Um, and I know he's, he's signed signed on for this year, and um, he used to be a Cleveland Browns, so it'll be interesting to see if he gets to play that first week. Um, you know, I, I it'll be interesting to see how this cornerback situation opens up. Um one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I got a chance to ask Mike Wallace a pretty good question, I think. Um, you know, and I talked to him I talked to him and asked him basically how this offense really complements him and you know, the and his answer I guess you'll have to find out tomorrow, but um it, you know, that was pretty interesting and, and being someone who's been to Jets camp before, I know I probably shouldn't mention that name up uh, on this podcast. <laughs> Being someone who's gone to Jets camp, uh, Dustin Teller is a familiar face to me, so it was pretty nice to be able to catch up with him, um, and you know, and and see him and and be able to talk to him just about you know the the difference in Miami and and you know about the heat down here and everything like that. So, um, it, it, definitely some good interviews. I'm happy I got a chance to talk to you know six different guys, seven different guys, and. Um, and I'll definitely be able to post that tomorrow, and I, I imagine the Finsiders will uh, uh, will put something on their website about it too. So, um, just yep, wanted to we'll call in and, and surprise you a little bit too. So. We'll definitely take a look at that stuff because you know we want everything we possibly can coming out of training camp. Mm-hmm. And and I imagine you'll enjoy it, um, and I, I hope I hope you will enjoy it, but I know you will. So, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, uh, you know. Um, I appreciate you letting me call in and everything, and I, it's great that you have this podcast going. And you know, maybe later down the road, I'll uh, call in again, you know, in the middle of the season or something, and give another yep. update or something, and on some interviews. So, yeah, anytime. We're here every week, every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. So, give us a call anytime. Thanks very much for calling in. All right, thank you. And that lines up perfectly because we just got Alfie from over at Big Cat Country in, so we can start talking, go from the Dolphins training camp practices today, start looking at some of the Jaguars stuff. So, Alfie, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? I am doing well. I'm doing well. I was talking to these guys earlier. I told them that I, I did speak with you earlier doing a little bit of a radio interview for you guys, but uh, we, we were talking about how, a lot of people have seen how bad Jonathan Martin is based on all the tweets and everything that came out. So I wanted to ask from a Jaguars fan's perspective, looking at the Dolphins, and probably the only thing you've really seen is obviously the Hall of Fame game. What is your perspective of the Miami offensive line? Uh, Well, mine at least is that they're, probably going to struggle a little bit at, at left tackle. I, w- I wasn't a huge John Martin fan, especially not at left tackle. Um, but like I told you when we talked earlier, he could play perfect for, you know, nine out of his ten snaps. But that one snap that, that he screws up is, is going to get most of the attention. But it, as far as a, a Jaguar fan's perspective, there's a couple guys on our team that we, we don't know if they can rush the passer and we want to see if they can rush the passer. So we kind of have the mindset that if if they can't, you know, get some pressure against the Dolphins with that left side, then then there's definitely an issue with those guys. 
that that does make some sense because yeah, the Dolphins are definitely going to be testing out some things and trying some things, and I expect the starting offensive line will probably play more this week, but we'll see. I expected them to play more than ten snaps last week, so who knows exactly what they're going to do. I'm on with Alfie Crow from over at Big Cat Country, SB Nation's Jaguars blog. If you have not checked it out, make sure you go over there and check it out. Alfie does some awesome things with Big Cat Country, and in the end, as much as we want to have rivalries within the state, it is still a Florida state uh, team, so why not support them a little bit, even though they are AFC? Yeah, I don't, um, I don't really hate any of the other Florida NFL teams. It's weird. <laughs> like I, I don't, um, okay. I don't dislike them. I don't, I don't really care about them, but I don't hate them like you would think we should. Yeah, no, no, and I think part of that is that it was Dolphins for so long had the whole state. Then Tampa came in, and they were NFC, so you didn't really worry about them. And then the Jaguars came in, but they're so far north that it's not really a rivalry with the Dolphins. So I think they split up Florida really well in how they did it. Right. But, okay, so you know the big question that all Dolphins fans are going to ask for you. What's going on with your starting quarterbacks? You have Blaine Gabbert and Chad Henney both listed as starters right now. Um, I saw earlier today, I think it was this morning, it may have been last night you posted it, but I saw it this morning, that it really is a competition and that they are close to each other in getting split snaps and everything like that. So what is exactly going on with your guys' quarterback situation right now? Uh, well, what they're doing is, is it's an open competition. They're going to let – well, I say let the best man win. I, I think ultimately Blaine Gabbert's going to get the nod because of his age and – and everything he had to start his career, and Chad Henney's age plays into that because you kind of know what he is. Uh, but they've been going back and forth, splitting the first team snaps. On Monday, Gabbert took him. Uh, Tuesday, Henney took him. Yesterday, or today, Gabbert took him. Uh, Henney will probably take him tomorrow. The Gabbert will probably start the game. Uh, but I expect both to pay, play quite a bit. They might even each play a half. Um, but they're, you know, they're really. They're really close. The the training camp practices I went to, they weren't really all that different. Uh, each one would have a good play, then each one would have a you know a head scratcher throw. No idea what they were looking at when they threw the football, but <laughs> I, I think being them being so close speaks more to Chad Henney than it does Blaine Gabbert. Uh, because if Chad Henney wants to win the job, he's going to have to be consistently better than the the 23 year old guy that they spent a top 10 pick on. Right. Um, so I, I think ultimately Gabbard's going to wind up winning the job. Chad Henney throwing balls that are head scratchers. I'm <laughs> guessing Dolphins fans are used to that one. Um, but we'll throw that long touchdown pass. No Dolphins fan ever. We'll throw the nice long <laughs> touchdown pass, and then we'll throw the touchdown pass the other way when he hits the defensive back in the chest. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yep. So, uh, Duke, you you want to talk anything Jaguars? Yeah, actually I do. Um, you know, we were talking about Jonathan Martin earlier, and you guys took Luke Jokel, number two overall. And I believe Eugene Monroe is coming up uh, as a free agent after this season. Right. So what do you think the Jaguars are going to do with him? Do you think they're going to let him walk? Do you think they're going to try to retain him and just keep Jokel at right tackle? 
um, because I talked with Keith, one of our other writers on the site, and he and I are big draft guys, and we were thinking, if Eugene Monroe hits free agency, I think the Dolphins should go for him. Um, so, I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see what your thoughts were on, on that situation. Well, one of the one of the big things they talked about when they took Jokel and, and said he was going to play right tackle is that they, they think going forward in the NFL you need a good offensive tackle on both sides uh, because of the way defenses are playing now, how more athletic the guys are. And because of the rookie wage scale, I think they would like to re-sign Monroe if he has a good season. Uh, I think they'll definitely franchise tag him if they can't get a, a deal done and he plays well. Uh, but I think ultimately they'll wind up flopping the two, uh, even if they re-sign Eugene Monroe, because Luke Jokel looks like an absolute stud right now. Um, he looks like a left tackle. Uh, he, he's transitioned fine to right tackle, but you know he looks like that that franchise ten-year left tackle that you want to draft. But I do think they want to keep Monroe. I don't think they'll just let him walk into free agency. And, and I think at at worst they'll franchise tag him. That's a lot of money. It is, but they have, they have a ton. They have a ton of cap room, so it's it's that's not a huge issue for them right now. At, well, along those lines, another question was was that really a big surprise when he took Jokel? It was a, was the a sentiment around Jacksonville fans that they want someone else. Um, I know around the Penn side, or when when the Dolphins moved up, it's kind of like oh, this is Lane Johnson, and then we took Deion Jordan out of nowhere. Um, so, I mean, who did you guys want with that number two pick? Who was a, who was kind of the, you know, the fan favorite there on, on Big Cat Country? Uh, the, uh, there was a lot of talk about a possibility of a left tackle, but uh, not many of us thought they would do it because the left tackle would be playing the right side. Uh, so most of us were focused on a pass rusher with Gus Bradley coming over and the Jaguars not having a pass rush. And, and the number one guy everybody wanted was with Deion Jordan uh, because of how you could move him around in the defense and use him. Uh, we thought Gus Bradley would want to use him like they used Bruce Irvin in Seattle. And, and then the uh, the BYU kid, Ezekiel Ansah, I think everybody just loved his, his upside, um, just his raw tools. So you guys actually took the guy I wanted, so I'll be watching him a, a, a ton this year. On right now with Alfie Crow from over at Big Cat Country Talking Jaguars. They cover everything over there up from North Florida. So if you want to check it out, make sure you do. You'll get good scoops on what is coming up this weekend with Friday night's game. And he's breaking everything down from the Jaguars depth chart through everything that the Dolphins are doing. So great if you want to get up to speed on the Jaguars. Alfie, we talked about this when I was – speaking with you earlier today about exactly what you just said with Deion Jordan. The Dolphins can move him around. He's going to be a weapon across the defense. So, since we are talking about weapons, let's go ahead and talk about random position of offensive weapon and what it, what what is Denard Robinson doing for you guys right now? Uh, a little bit of everything. He, he's on the official depth chart that they released the other day. Uh, he's listed at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and kick returner. And in practice, he's doing all of these. Um, he's predominantly playing running back, which, which I think is what he'll, his you know real position is, is going to wind up being. Uh, but they have him running a lot of wildcat packages. Um, 
You know, he's handed the ball off to I, – I counted up the other day with like 10 different guys on one day when they ran wildcat plays. They let him pass out of it. Uh, he's done really well at that. So he's – I mean, the offensive weapon's kind of a, a cute thing that they're doing, but it's legitimately what they're doing with him. He's he's catching the ball out of the backfield, lining up a wide receiver, taking handoffs and running the ball. He's He's – running speed option, running wildcat, passing the football. He's doing a little bit of everything. Uh, well, I read a, uh, some tweets. I believe it was Ben Volan and a couple of others said that uh, during a Jaguars practice the other day that they ran an Emory and Henry uh, play, uh, which is an A-11, which they basically have three wide receivers split out on each side. They're basically in their right. offensive line. Uh and I believe they're from like Jacksonville, so I assume Robinson was involved in that. Did you see anything or read anything about that? Uh, yeah, Robinson was—he was the the running back in the backfield. I, I want to say they had three offensive linemen, the quarterback, the running back, and then they had uh, the three wide receivers on each side with one of the offensive tackles with the receivers. Because um, the Jaguars' offensive coordinator Jed Fish, um, if you're down in Miami, you're familiar with him. He was the Hurricanes' offensive coordinator. Uh, he worked under Steve Spurrier, who used to run that, that play every once in a while. So uh, I think he's going to pull a lot of those little tricks out. But they they did a, a delayed draw to Robinson off that play because the defense adjusted and moved their big boys out wide. And then when they didn't, they ran a little wide receiver screen out of it. Uh, so they're, like I said, they're doing just about anything and everything they can to get, get the football in Denard Robinson's hands. I'm going to completely switch gears on this because it is, it's something that comes up a lot with the Dolphins right now, especially after the Hall of Fame game. This game features two of the three teams that made jersey changes this year. And obviously yeah. the Vikings are not as dramatic as anything the Dolphins did and is nowhere near as dramatic as the two-tone <laughs> helmet you guys did. What has been the consensus opinion, or the majority at least, on your guys' new jerseys? Um, most people love the jerseys themselves. Um, they were very, very plain when they did the change a couple years ago. It was just basically straight teal with some piping down the side. Uh, these are, are completely different. They're they're actually calmer than I had heard that they were going to be. I, I kept hearing that they were going to be a lot like Oregon's uniform. Um, they're similar, but they're not that crazy, except for the helmet which kind of got a, a mixed reaction. I think most people under 40 love it, and most people over 40 hate it. Uh, so that, that'll that be a fun one to watch. That sounds a lot like what happened with the Dolphins uniform. A lot of people who are probably 40 to 45 have been following the team their whole lives, like the, the, not the, the whole their whole lives, but the team's whole life, really miss the tradition of the dolphin with the helmet on his head and all that kind of stuff. Whereas the younger group, and I know somewhere James is hating me for saying this right now since he's in that <laughs> older group I just used, but uh, I know that the younger group um, has been more accepting of the change. And I think that that, that that sounds about like what you just said. So that's interesting that it fell the same way for both groups. Well, I know, like, but, like Oregon uniforms, a lot of people hate them. I love them. The tackier, the better. Um, and I think that I think the more younger people like that kind of stuff, where uh, going away from the, the traditional just, like, two-tone uniforms, 
Um, so I think that's where it, it's striking that chord. The only thing I don't like about the Dolphins is it looks like a Dolphin airplane. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that is one of the definite descriptions we've had. I will give you that one. Right. Um, to go back to on the, on the field stuff, how are you guys health-wise? Uh, pretty good. Uh, they have a couple guys banged up. Justin Blackman had groin surgery. He's on the PUP list, but he should be fine. But that doesn't really matter because he's suspended the first four games anyway. Um, yeah. Jonathan Cyprian is on the NFI list with a hamstring, and they're they're just taking him along slowly. Uh, Cecil Shorts probably won't play Friday because he, he strained his calf this week. And uh, Jeremy Minzy has a concussion, so he probably won't play either. But other than that, they're they're pretty good. Wow, you guys have come off lucky, knock on wood. Don't want anything to happen. I know, you guys be healthy, but everybody's out there tearing ACLs and, and Achilles, yeah. and we've been relatively healthy. That was us last year, though. We were we were getting everybody injured. Duke, uh, you, you have anything else? Uh, yes, actually, um, you. Yes, um, I, uh, I'm a Appalachian State alum. And you guys drafted Demetrius McCray, I believe, in the sixth round, who was a, a cornerback from Appalachian State. And I just want to know if uh, he's making any noise in camp. What, you know, is he just a practice squad guy? What, what's been going on with him? Has he been doing anything, making a name for himself? Uh, he has. He, he's been doing well. The word is the the coaching staff really, really likes him. Um, he's he, he won't start this year. Uh, he, he'll probably play some special teams and be uh, a, a backup, but. You know, he's done some good things in practice. He's, of course, gotten beat a couple times, but they're playing a lot of press coverage, so he's got to get used to that. And and if you mess up your technique on press, you're you're pretty well done. Um, but overall, he, he's had a pretty good camp, and, and they've liked what they've seen so far. Yeah, I, I always try to keep up with the, you know, they Appalachians moving up to Division One A this uh, next season, but I always try to keep up with our guys, uh, the lower division guys. And you've had some lower division guys uh, with Cecil Shorts and stuff that have uh, played well for you before. So I just want to check up on him. So thank you very much. Not a problem. I, I'm I'm sad to hear that Cyprian is on the NFI list. Um, he's a guy that I really really wanted the Dolphins to get. I knew he wouldn't last for the second round, but I was real or past you guys in the second round. But I was really hoping that he would manage to fall a little bit and get to Miami. But I was looking forward to seeing him. Uh, my my last question, I'll let you go. I'm sure you have other things to do than hang out with a bunch of Dolphins fans all night, Alfie. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, game planning. Obviously, this is your first preseason game. This is the real first preseason game for the Dolphins because I consider the Hall of Fame game a giant scrimmage. But uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of game planning. I know you said that you guys want to see your defensive ends be able to get pressure specifically on the left side of the offensive line. But overall, that's one of the things you're looking for. How do you attack the Dolphins? What are you worried about from the Dolphins? Oh, uh, well, I guess if Michael Wallace plays, I I want to watch and see how the, the new corners deal with his his deep speed because the Jaguars are going to play a lot of cover three uh, with one safety deep kind of playing center field. So that'll be fun to watch if, uh, if they miss the jam and he runs right past them and you have that safety chasing them down. Uh, but really their their defensive line is basically completely redone from last year. 
the only returning starters are Jason Babin, who they claimed at the end of the year, and Tyson Alualu, who they just moved from defensive tackle to defensive end. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they match up with the interior of you guys' offensive line and, and stop the run. Well, I think that I think you're going to get a lot of the run this week. Yeah, looking at what they're probably going to do because specifically because of that handoff to start the Hall of Fame game and how the Dolphins fumbled that. I think they're really going to go out there and try to hammer away at the running game just to get the routine down. So you guys might see a lot of that and might get to it might play right into what you want. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I'll, like like I said, I'll go ahead and let you go, Alfie. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, let my listeners know how can they follow you, what what all do you guys have going on over at Big Cat Country, all those kinds of things. Uh, well, you can read it at uh, BigCatCountry.com. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, AlfieBCC, um, A-L-F-I-E. There's no P-H. Uh, we're we're going to be, you know. <laughs> we have a P-H. <laughs> we're going to be going down, you know, who who we want to see do well in the scrimmage or well, preseason game scrimmage, same thing. Um, who, you know, what matchups we want to see for the, as far as from the Jaguars perspective, who they're going to be going against, uh, what we want them to do, what they should be doing. And, and if, uh, if our boy Andre Branch can't get pressure on John Martin, why we should be concerned. <laughs> it'll be a, it'll definitely be, probably where everybody's eyes are because Dolphins fans are going to be staring at Martin just like you guys are. So thanks very much for coming on. It was uh, good talking to you. Happy to do it with you earlier today. and Glad I could get you on here tonight to talk to some Dolphins fans. So thanks and have a good night, Alfie. Have a good one. That was Alfie Crow from over at Big Cat Country coming on, giving us a little bit of a look at the – Jaguars heading into Friday night's game. Like I said, during the while he was on the air, head over to Big Cat Country. They really do have a lot of stuff already going up. Um, whereas we've been focused more on looking back at the Hall of Fame game, they've already been starting to preview this game. So they're ahead of us on that side. So go check them out, bigcatcountry.com, and you'll be able to find a whole bunch of stuff about the Jaguars. And there's some things in there about Miami and how they think they'll match up. So... Duke, I know you're happy you got an App State question in there. Um, what, what, uh, what, what are you thinking against the Jaguars? Where do the Dolphins need to find success, and where are they going to struggle against a Jacksonville team that was two and fourteen last year, but made a lot of moves to try to get better this year? Well, I, I, as he was talking, I was thinking about that and. He kind of killed it for us because I was expecting. You know, I knew Justin Blackman was going to be out, but I didn't know that yeah. Schwartz was going to be out. And I was kind of hoping to see what how our secondary would respond to their uh, to their receivers because you know I think their their receiving core is a little bit underrated. Um, they're not you know you know they're not Julio Jones and Roddy White or nothing, but I think Blackman and Schwartz are two very good receivers. Um, and I, I liked the, their pick of Ace Sanders. I thought that was a good draft pick I got for them. So I wanted to see kind of how they would, how our, our secondary would go up against their uh, against the receivers. But they're probably not going to be playing uh, the top guys. So that kind of killed it for me. And of course, you know, watching Jonathan Martin, 
Um, yeah, I guess aside from that, I want to see how how excuse me, how our offense responds to the game the other night. Um, how how our starters go out and uh, you know respond to such a pitiful showing in uh, in that first game. Is you know is Tannehill gonna? How's he gonna look? What, what's that? What's he gonna do? Um, you know things like that. That's kind of what I'm hoping to see. Just you know, not necessarily caring if they score a lot or you know. I just want to see them move the ball down the field well, look like that they know what they're doing. It just you know that, that fumble kind of set the tone, uh, and it was just kind of stagnated there. And of course, you know the first time they actually got a first down and started moving the ball a little bit, they they came out. So I just want to see how those guys play a little bit. Yeah, I think that's it exactly. It's what what really matters is how does the team respond? It doesn't it again, it doesn't matter if they win or lose. And I know there were fans after the Hall of Fame game and even before it saying the Dolphins have to put up a winning record in the preseason if they're gonna have any success in the off season. Um or in the regular season, sorry. For for the record, the Dolphins are now 0-4 in the Hall of Fame game. The first three games, I think they went 9-7, and 11-5, and 11-5, and I think, are the three previous times. So if we're going to play the preseason means anything game, hey, losing the Hall of Fame game seems to work for the Dolphins. Does it really have any tie to anything? Not at all. Of course not. But it, it, it doesn't matter this week either if they win or lose. What matters is how do they look, and you're right. How do they respond once that first snap is taken? When they go to hand that ball off, is Lamar Miller actually receiving the ball from Ryan Tannehill this time? When Jonathan Martin goes to block, is he able to block, or are they getting pressure? Um, Is the connection between Ryan Tannehill and Mike Wallace progressing? I'm not looking for it to be perfect. The fact that they hit that 40-yarder today in practice is awesome. But they also had one where Tannehill overthrew Mike Wallace again. And I just want to stress that part, too. Mike Wallace is the receiver you cannot overthrow. Ryan Tannehill is overthrowing him. So that tells you something about the arm strength of Ryan Tannehill. So I I think that there, there are a lot of things going on here that we need to look at it as the team is still in the walk phase. You first crawl then you walk, then you run. They're in the walk phase right now. They're going to make mistakes. We have to expect mistakes. Let them make those mistakes in the preseason so they learn from them and get ready for the regular season. Um, yeah, I haven't been on the thread. Oh, go ahead, Duke. I was going to say, I mentioned that in the, in the game thread Sunday night. It's it difficult for me to watch that game simply because I, it's, it's hard for me to watch a game that I'm not. I don't have to be emotionally invested in. I mean, I knew the Dolphins weren't going to play the starters. I knew the outcome didn't matter. So just sitting there, kind of watching them play, it's great to see them play. But I was like, you know, normally I'm when I'm watching a Dolphins game, I, I rarely sit down. I'm one of those that I'm pretty much if I'm on a game thread on the side, I'm standing up typing, and I walk over and, and, and I stand because I just get, you know, that's kind of how I am. I like to. I get intense. I like to watch it. I wasn't like that. So it's kind of weird to me to watch a game like that, and that's kind of why I don't like the preseason is just because these games don't mean anything. But when I watch them, I want to be involved, but I can't be because there's no, nothing on the line. So, um, 
I kind of have to watch it as basically it's a giant practice. Uh, that way I'm kind of like, well, you know, they're, they're, they're practicing, they're ironing stuff out, and not as much as a game. So, I think it was... I think it was Jeff Darlington on the Finsiders, the Dolphins show. Um, just confusing, but that's okay. I, I think it was him yesterday. He was talking about the fact that Ryan Tannehill had thrown three interceptions in practice and that, again, the fan base is starting to freak out. And he goes, look, guys, you want him to throw those because it's a growth and he gets to make the mistakes. Now, how does he come out in today's practice? Today's practice he's had, I think, one interception. It may have been two. I don't remember. Oh, it was one practice bubble and then one out on the field. That's what it was. So he he still made a couple mistakes. One of one of those interceptions, I don't remember which one, but they said as he threw the ball, the receiver fell down. There's nothing Ryan Tannehill can do about that. I mean, if the receiver is going to hit the ground as he lets go of the ball, once he lets go of the ball, it's kind of hard to bring it back. Um, so it is. It's all about growth right now. That's what the game is for. That's why they have four preseason games. In Miami's case, they have five. You want them making the mistakes now. Um, I, O.J. McDuffie and uh, Troy Drayton, and those guys have been on the Finsiders, and they've all said it. As players, none of this worries them. They all know we're out there to get better. This is training camp. And Jeff Darlington said it on the show yesterday. I know I'm talking about their show a lot all of a sudden. But he said every snap of pre of training camp is covered. Imagine if you had police officers under the scrutiny, that everything they did during training to get ready for their job was critiqued and criticized and graded and everything that we do with every snap of practice for the Dolphins right now. So it was a really interesting point to stop and go, oh, yeah, that's a great point. We look at it as these guys should be executing. We forget about the fact that this is them trying to figure things out. And um, one of the guys, I can't remember who said it, one of the guys was like, look, Unless you're down there on the field, you don't know what they're really trying to do. When those media guys are sitting up there in the booth tweeting out that on third and ten, Ryan Tannehill threw an interception because he made a bad decision, you don't know why Ryan Tannehill actually threw that ball. They may have told him, you have to throw this ball to that receiver. And that may be why he's locked onto that receiver, because he's specifically working on something there. So it, it was an interesting concept and an interesting look. So I'll stop talking about the Fin Fighters now and start talking about the Fin Fighter with a PH, as Ryan Tannehill told us at the start of the show. <laughs> yeah, they, they are the other Fin Fighters. That's what I call them, the other Fin Fighters. And for the record, first. we have been first. <laughs> but, um, I'm trying to go through. I haven't been on the live thread. So I'm trying to run through it real quick. I don't know if there are any questions in there. I'm I don't trying think there's to see. a lot of questions that I've seen. Um, I think we had. I think what was interesting about the, the, the game, and that I'm going to be looking forward to seeing in the upcoming game this week, 
is some of these fringe players that kind of stepped up. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be watching DeAndre Presley. But yep. um, one guy that I think stepped up, a couple of guys, a couple of receivers that stepped up pretty big was Keenan Davis and Chad Bumpus. Although uh, Al Michaels kind of Chad Bumpus, not entirely sure which, which pronunciation. Um, but I think... I think that uh, I think that those guys are some guys to watch. Uh, I believe Bumpus got the call up to the second team. Yep. Uh, yesterday in practice, and he was making plays. I remember watching that game, thinking this guy is like a faster Devon Bass. Um, he kind of moved the same way as Bass, kind of looked the same way as Bass in terms of uh, body style and everything. And I thought this guy's just a little bit faster than Bass. Now he did make a couple of mistakes, but you know, it's times like this that it's times like this when these guys gotta, you know, gotta make a name for themselves. And I believe he really stepped up. And Keenan Davis, um, I was talking with, I believe it stems for the wins on the live thread during the game, and we were talking about how he catches the ball with his hands really well. Um, tough receiver going across the middle. He doesn't body catch. He catches with his hands, and we like that. So there's a couple of guys I'm gonna be interested to see how they do now that there's kind of an open spot there. And I believe uh, Maddie sent out a tweet the other day about how the, the Chad Bumpus bandwagon got started, and I replied, it's nice to have a bandwagon for a receiver that's actually going to be the fourth guy and not hoping that one of these undrafted guys becomes the number one guy, you know, like we've had in the past. So that's kind of nice. We don't have to worry about maybe Chad Bumpus can be the guy. No, he's just a guy now, but we hope he can make the team and he keeps making plays because that's what you want. Chris, you there? Yes. Sorry, man. Uh, Kevin had to go handle something real quick, so you're on. I'm still on the air? Yep. Oh, nice. Okay, so um, so I'm trying to think of a couple other guys that stepped up. Um, uh, Omar was tweeting out about, he said that Will Yeatman had a good game. I haven't gone back and watched him yet. Um, I like to see his development at um, on the offensive line. Um, a couple of other guys I'm trying to think of that played well. Um, I thought I think his name's Keelan Keelan Anderson, Keelan something. I can't remember. Um, he plays a he's a safety. I thought he made a couple of plays in the game. Um, I think we've kind of got a logjam at linebacker. We've got some. You know, I think we've got our three starters. I think we've got a kind of a, a a group there that are trying to separate themselves to be that those backup guys. And I think guys like Austin Spittler um, and Jason Trusnick and guys that we've kind of known as our backup guys, I don't know that they're necessarily going to be uh, – they may not have a roster spot locked up. I think there's some guys that are making plays around them. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to see those guys step up. Um, anybody that you're – trying to watch James in this game coming up or anybody that you thought was impressive in the last game? No, I mean, I, I thought Bumpus did, did a good job. and I mean, it makes sense that he got moved up to second string. And, you know, as far as what you're talking about with the linebackers, that, that's going to that's gonna happen nowadays if you've got some younger guys that are cheaper and they're playing, you know, on par with the backups. Those backups are probably making more money a lot of times. They're going to be gone. Just kind of what happened. 
Yeah, and one of the things that um, about Bumpus, I want to go back to him a minute, is that normally when we see, we've seen this camp and in and, and, and camps previously that these guys have a good preseason game or they have a couple good practices and they get moved up and they promptly disappear. Um, you know, that's kind of the storyline that we were reading with, with Chris Hogan last year. You know, on Hard Knocks, he was he was um, he was seven eleven. You know, oh, this guy's gonna be great. He always gets open, but then he got moved up and started playing against the first and second team guys, and then couldn't get open. So what I found interesting was that when Bumpus actually got called up to the second team, he was still making plays. He didn't disappear. It was because he, the caliber of a of, of player around him increased. So, right. Uh, so, you know, I thought that was a good sign. Um, you know, I, I was kind of worried about him in a way because I think he's just a slot-only guy. I don't know that he's necessarily a guy that can win on the outside. Uh, but I, I kind of hope he makes a team. You know, I'd like to see some of these guys come in there that can make plays. I and mean, that's kind of how uh, Bess made his name was an undrafted undrafted guy, and now maybe this guy can. So, um, Yeah, and it, 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 it's, always, it's always nice to see the other guy under the other guy. The uh, the guy that's you know nobody expects to make it make it, but uh, if he is a slot only guy, then his chances are slim to none. Because that's pretty much what I mean. Obviously, Best is a good player, a really good player, and the fact that he can only play one position and maybe two, but not not real effectively, is what doomed him. I, I well that and his maybe his attitude at the end of last year, but I think primarily his, his lack of ability to play multiple. Spots and all over the field is what get him in. Yeah, and you know it's going to be interesting to see to go up against him in the, in the first game of the year. Um, I think he's going to have a big game against us. I don't think I think he's going to get a lot of catches, probably a lot of yards. I don't think he's going to get. Uh, I don't think he's going to have like four touchdowns or anything like that. But um, that's. You know, and, and one other thing that, I, that I'm really interested in, because it all ties in kind of with our offensive line, is our defensive line did, and our defensive tackles looked okay. Um, I don't think it, it was it was the same way last preseason. I remember watching Starks so uh, at that Carolina game just get pushed around like they were nothing, and then of course once the season started, um, you know they they locked it down. But I found it pretty interesting that you know uh, Wade played a little bit and came out. We know what he can do. Deion Jordan looked good. Derek Shelby put on a show, um, you know, and even one of those backup guys I think got a sack. Um, that Tristan, last name we can't pronounce, guy got a sack. So I'm just wondering if our defensive ends are not just really that good. Um, if we just don't have some really stout defensive ends that are going to get the job done. I'm just interested to see how those guys go up against, you know, against other teams. We kind of hear about it at our own practice, but we kind of have questions on the offensive line. So now I want to see how these guys do. And I thought they did well against Dallas. So I think that's going to be a a fun a, a fun thing to keep up with. And hopefully we can get some guys in there because we need all the help we can against some of these quarterbacks that play this year. Yeah, I think, the, you know, the, the problem with preseason, especially this early in the season, and especially when you have five games, is – you really can't tell anything about anybody. You've got people playing with third stringers and second stringers and two or three first stringers, and you know the nobody nobody out there is used to work playing on the same line with each other. Um, you know you've got you got guys 
you got starters maybe lining up against a guy that's got no chance in hell to make the team. You know, it's just a mix of everything out there. So, you know, if, if a guy is consistently maybe going out there making catches, you know, maybe that shows you something. But if, you know, if a guy looks bad on a series or whatever, or looks really good on a series, I don't know that it tells you anything, especially this early. You know, I think I think this is the coaches have something in mind, and they're they're putting those those players in different situations. But for them, it's just like a big scrimmage. It's not they don't game plan. They're just like, hey, let's throw this guy out here and do this, and let's run this play and see what happens. Um, yeah, it's I, really hard. I think to, that's a, I think that's a big part of I think that's a big part of kind of why you see a lot of a lot of stuff like that in training camp is because. Or in preseason games is because you have you don't have these these game plans out there, so you you don't know what defense Jacksonville's going to run, and you know they're not going to throw anything exotic at you because they're not going to reveal their hand. So you know they're you kind of just have to guess. I mean, you kind of know from looking at what they're going to do. I you know I doubt we're going to see Tannehill go up to the line a lot and start audible and making a bunch of calls. I think they're just going to say we're going to run X play. And Jacksonville may have the perfect defense to stop it, and they may be in the perfectly bad defense to stop it. So, uh, and, and it fails, and, and you know, we score. Well, and, and, that's, but, and that's that's another point that people overlook in the preseason is that defenses have they a lot of times they have the advantage. First of all, the defense walks into camp day one, and they're they're almost always ahead of the offense. But just it is what it is. It's always been like that, and it always will be. So it's going to be that way till you know at least halfway through camp. So you know the when you're playing the Cowboys after a week of camp, the Cowboys defense is naturally going to be ahead of our offense. Our offense may look a little rusty. I can live with that. Plus we're out. We're not. We're not. We're not game planning. Oh man, I'm getting echo. Okay, we're not game planning, and we're going out there and running a very vanilla offense. You know, and you know they. That's that's easier to defend. Obviously, we're not running our offense. So, Tannehill's uh, him. Sorry. I think that's one of the. I was gonna say, I think I just that's one of the reasons. Echo. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, why you see guys like Devlin. You see your backup quarterbacks actually go out there and execute a little better than your starters, simply because you know. During the game, and I don't want to make excuses for Tannehill, but he's out there throwing to. I mean, he had Gibson out there, and he made a, he made a completion to him, but he has McNutt out there and some other guys that he's not typically normally throwing to. Whereas you look at guys like Devlin and, 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 and the third string guys, they're throwing to the same guys that they're throwing to in practice. So they kind of have a little bit of timing and chemistry down there. So, you know, usually that's why you see, even though you've got your backups in, Later in the game, it's usually a little more exciting, a little better than the beginning of the game because you're not having to, you know, you know, worry about stuff. And especially, especially when you know you talk about there's a lot of communication stuff that has to go on. So when you're, let's say, like the very the second play of the game, Dallas runs a little um, a little uh, tight end route across the middle. Uh, Phil Wheeler slips a little bit. Trusnick's back there as the middle linebacker, and. You know they're not used to playing with him. He, you know, they don't know how to make that. There's communications. You know, there's a lot of stuff that those guys you just kind of have to know and think about. Uh, they just come from playing with one another. I mean, you know, you kind of get that. You, you kind of see that with other teams that have veteran, veteran players back there. They kind of have the second, or excuse me, like the sixth sense 
about the way they play, they kind of know where a guy's going to be and what's going to happen. And, you know, when you start just mixing and matching people up there, you mess with that, that chemistry there. And, oh, yeah. And, and so that that makes for a little bit, you know, a little bit of, uh, of uh, you know, a little dysfunction there, and it kind of messes things up. So, yeah, I mean, the outcomes are not what's important. I think what's important there is just to see, you know, you want to see development. To, to me, what worried me the most about Tannehill, watching some of those passes as I was as I was writing that post about Martin, and I was watching, you know, kind of what was happening in in the pocket was that his his footwork was a little off, and his timing was a little off for those guys, and it, and he was throwing behind guys, and to me that's stuff that you know that that's not necessarily chemistry issues. It just you know maybe it was just you know, nerves or whatever. Maybe he just, you know, he was just trying to, just trying to do something wasn't giving it, you know, a 400% effort. I don't know. But, um, you know, I want to see stuff. I just want to see Tannehill come out against Jacksonville. I want to see him uh, make accurate throws. Um, you know, I don't, if he throws two interceptions because a receiver ran the wrong route or something like that, that's not going to bother me. What is going to bother me, though, is if, if, is if he makes wrong reads or if he's behind receivers or things like that. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. You know, I think that's what fans should look for. It's just, you know, you know, the, kind of the, in my opinion, it's the, the nuances of stuff. Um, you know, don't watch for the big plays. Well, and just wants to see it. You know. Well, and you made a good you made a good point that you know everybody's judging. Oh, Tannehill looks terrible. They how 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 many plays was he in there for? How how long was he in there for? You know what I'm saying? He was. Mm-hmm. They, they they threw him out there for a bit, then they pulled him, and then he didn't play the rest of the game. A lot of guys, a lot of, you know, big names start out. You know, if if I'm watching a game with Brady, you know, and, and he has the first couple series pretty rough, he always tends to get it together. A lot of guys do that. I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, I'm not going to panic based on, you know, two or three bad series. I don't even remember how many he was in there now. I think he was in there for two series, maybe not even two full series. And then he got. He had he had ten plays. Yeah, he took he took Which, that hit. If you like, if you count the first, okay, okay, he took a hit. He's out. You know. If you count the very first series, which was the fumble, that's three series. So really, he was only in there for two series. Right. Yeah, I didn't really count that. And he, he played those two series. He took that pop, and then they pulled him. You know, which that's probably smart. You know, he just took a hit. Let's get let's get him out of there. And that's that's nothing. I mean, you know. He could have just been getting himself into where he's going to be into get into rhythm, and then you know, who, who knows? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know act like the season's over after two series of football. So yeah, there was and, a lot of starters, and you know. Yeah, there. and I think that's part of the problem, and and we've seen on the side, you know, the past couple of days, and you know, we've talked about you know what people were saying about Tannehill and, and, and kind of the media thing, and it's because basically this is, you know, these are non-stories that have to become stories. Um, you know, I, I don't think anyone can really take anything away from these games at this moment. I mean, if this is if this is week five of the preseason and we're still seeing some of the same mistakes, some of the same stuff, then it's a point of concern. But, I, you know, I just think there's a lot of, too much being made out of very little at this point. No, no, I, I, I agree. It's, it's, you know, even I'm, you know, I listen to the sports radio talk, you know, here in um, Dallas, and 
they were they were talking um, just the other day about you know they couldn't understand why everybody with the Cowboys was so excited that they're going to be in the in the Hall of Fame game and then they just run out much of third string or something you know they don't play anybody and and, and it's true you know it's just they're just using it as as an extra scrimmage nobody's you know we didn't we didn't even see Romo play you know at, at least at least we got to see you know our story starting quarterback, but but it there was you know, it wasn't like we ran, you know, Wallace or any of our other new shiny new toys out there, you know, with him, so what's you know, what's to get excited about? So Yeah, and I don't um... to me it was to me it's barely it's barely, you know, you're barely looking at NFL level football when you watch a game like that because it's such a hodgepodge of guys that won't be there and you know. Yeah, and I mean it's. I don't know. I, I've, I've never been that big of a fan of the preseason. I've been. I've just been really, you know, excited about this year's Dolphins. So I was excited to actually watch a game and and uh, you know just see see them out there, regardless of what happens. So um, I don't know. I mean, it's just. I don't know. I, yeah, you you listen to some media and they just it, it makes it sound so much worse than what it really is and. It's kind of a double-edged sword because you know we crave news so much. From we, I follow tweets from Dolphins camp, see what they're doing. Yet at the same time, you know they, you know, when you read the tweets, it's like, oh, Tannehill threw an interception, or Johnson Martin got beat, or uh, you know, this this happened or that happened, or this cornerback got beat or something. So it's always like the, the bad news kind of thing, and you never really hear the good stuff sometimes. So. Um, yeah, we need some callers to keep the show going. Is Kevin coming back or? Um, I don't know. He's got a he's got a issue. He had to go go handle. Uh, with a tank? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't involve a tank. That's funny. It's a funny question. I'm pretty sure after once he leaves the base, any any issues with the tank can be handled by by uh, others. He's not. I don't think he's like. Do what? So he just sits at home and sits at home and pushes the red button. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think he's the guy that like puts the tracks back on or anything. I think he's the the guy that drives it and tells the other guys that drive tanks what to do. So, so uh, yeah, I don't think he has anything to do once he's off. In fact, I don't really think any of us know what he does now. We, I just know he goes to work at the base every day. Yeah, he goes into the room and disappears. He has no yeah, phone access. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. You know, I don't think we're going to see him back this evening. Um, I, I don't guess anyone else is going to call back in. Did you have anything else you wanted to discuss this evening? Um, no, I'm looking around the site trying to see if there's anything um, other than the injury reports. Uh, I think Lamar Miller hurt his ankle a little bit yesterday. I don't expect we'll see much, if any, of him on Friday night. Well, they said um, he tweaked it, and he was out, but then he was back in catching passes, and then he was out again. So I think it's probably – I mean, you know, we, we've we all played sports. That's the deal where you, you go out and you run and you tweak it, the next day you're fine, or, you know, yeah, who knows. Rub some dirt on it. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah rub some dirt on it, a little uh, ice on it, you go home, take some Advil, and you get up the next morning you're yeah, and Wallace was full practice today. Um, I we may or may not see him 
in uh, in the game. Personally, I don't care if we do. Um, if he's not, I mean, he says he can go. I would just assume let him rest until he's you know 100% because I know how those um, I know how rolling injuries can be, and you think it's better, and then you know it can get worse, just like a heavy can change. So uh, keep him out. Um, well, I mean, like you said, with Miller, we probably you know. He's, if, if we had a game this Sunday, he'd probably play. But mm-hmm. in a preseason game, why, why? I mean, you know what he can do. You know how fast, yeah. you know. I mean, he's finally healthy for the first time. Let's not, you know, he wasn't healthy. He said he wasn't even close to 100% all last year. He's 100% now. He's got a little tweaked ankle. Just leave it be, you know, so he'll be mm-hmm. him 100% day one. It's the same thing they um, did with Hartline, you know. Hartline, yeah. they said, you know, he, he could have played and he could have practiced more in the – in the in the preseason, but they didn't want a chance it. But he was there game one, so yeah, you know, the same, same thing as Wallace. If, he, if he's not 110 percent, you know, I know that's a ridiculous thing, but you know, if he's not, you know, perfect, don't yeah. run him out there. No, don't yeah, risk it. Don't if, he, uh, if he's a little no. tweak, you know, if he's got a little tweak, you know, the 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 week of game one, well, he's got to go play because we're paying a lot of money. But uh, it's a totally different different thing. You know, as long as he's getting into practice with Tannehill, you know, at least the last, you know, three or four weeks of of camp here, I'll be fine. Yeah, let's see. I think there's a couple of other injuries to note. Um, well, Julius Pruitt has been held out. Um, he's been doing rehab work on the sideline. Um, I'm just trying to do all this from memory. Um, I believe Josh Samuda had a knee injury. Uh, it a Omar tweeted it looked pretty bad, but then he was back in there, and I think he is actually starting right tackle again today in practice. So it's probably not that big of a deal. Um, LRB was held out of the game. I don't think he has a major injury or anything um, that I'm aware of. I don't believe uh, Audric was held out of the game. Starks hasn't practiced all week. Um, I'm wondering if I think he had a little injury. I don't, nothing's been said about it, and the uh, and Philbin is very tight-lipped about this stuff. So um, I'm wondering what um, I'm wondering what uh, what the I'm still laughing. I'm still laughing about you saying that Omar said it looked pretty bad because I've seen that. That's that's the kind of thing that made me stop following Omar is things like that because these guys will. Him and Mondo both, man, they'll they'll make comments like that with just it's like why, you know, because a guy because a guy kind of lips off the field that doesn't you know, was he carried off on a stretcher then then it looks bad, but if he walks off under his own power, then you don't know don't don't just don't say anything. Don't get on Twitter and say wow it looks bad. And uh, I think uh, there was kind of a mixed some mixed. You know, messages going across today whether or not uh, Jerry was back out on the field or not. I can't, I can't recall if he was actually out there. But um, uh, I believe that's all as far as major injuries. Uh, Jamar Taylor has not been back in practice, so his injury may be may have been reaggravated. Um, yeah, that's that's more of a that, problem, I would think. That's more. That's been an issue with, I guess, a, a, a disappointment. I should say, of what's been going on with this camp is, is the fact that he's not been able to get on the field. 
Um, I mean, he's, his, his roster spot is safe. They're not going to cut a second-round pick. But he needs to get out there on the field. He's losing time. He's losing, uh, he's losing reps. And, you know, the first preseason game is just starting, uh, the real first real preseason game. So he's got time. But if he can't get on the field by, say, the third week, then, you know, he's pretty much said he's just going to be inactive a lot of games. And that's going to be a disappointment because I think a lot of fans are expecting, you know, a lot from him this year. And I believe he's a talented player that can help the team out. So uh, that's going to be one to watch uh, probably next week to see if he can uh, see if he can get back out there on the, on the field. But that's that's about it for me. I don't think I have anything else uh, news for the right. report. Check the uh, check the live thread. I don't think anyone else has anything else. Here we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I don't think uh, our fearless leader is going to going to rejoin us this evening. Uh, if you'd like to give me a call after the show, I'll tell you what's going on. <laughs> All right. All right, man. But, uh, if that's it, uh, then uh, I will. We will sign off. Thank everyone for listening. Uh, we do the podcast every Wednesday night. I don't have the phone number available. It should be on the live thread though. Um, you're always welcome to call in with questions, comments, or anything. Tonight we talked to Alfie Crow from uh, Big Cat Country, the SB Nation Jacksonville Jaguar blog. I had some good things. I thank Ohio Finn Fan for Life and Dawson Fan for Life for calling in. And I believe the other guy was Max Strauss. Did I get that right? Yes. I think he was the other caller. Uh, we thank those guys for calling in. We thank all the comments in the live here. So uh you have anything else to add? I do not. Everyone have a good all right. night. All right. Good night, everyone. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses. And you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate. 
then get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from zero to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.